0: Hello, Space Dane here to do the things. Uh, This is the Q&A episode this week, so there isn't really a break for me to do any announcements, so I was going to do them right now, very quickly. First and foremost, I hope you enjoy this episode. We had a lot of fun uh, reflecting on what we've done so far, answering your questions, answering some of the questions we had for each other. It was a blast, and I hope you guys really, really enjoy it. Second... We're going to be at Comic-Con next week, March 18th and 19th. We will be at Comic-Con. That is a Saturday and the Sunday. We will have a booth at the Canadian podcast awards. We'll be hanging out. So if you're going to Toronto Comic-Con, please consider swinging by and stopping to see us. Uh, We will have full details of our schedule posted on our Instagram and our discord. If you'd like to join the discord, of course, head on over to NoQuestCast.com, click the discord link. You'll be invited in to join that is a great place to keep up to date on all the news that is happening uh, with the show and with us, and that will be where we are posting our schedule for the weekend. Uh, even when we're not at the booth, we will probably still be wandering around and, and checking out shows when we can. So if there's enough of you going, we might be able to uh, set up a, a sort of like an auxiliary meet site as well to hang out with uh, some of y'all. So once again, we will be at Comic-Con next week. Uh, Saturday and Sunday. That is March 18th and 19th. And we really, really hope to see you. The last little bit of news is on the Patreon. I am going to be doing a thing called the Boss Rush, which is on top of the World Primer that we release out to the $7 tier every month I will be releasing the stat block to one of the bosses that I've thrown at the boys uh, throughout the show. They will be a limited release. They will be available for the month that they come out. So this month it will be Boomer. That's right. I will be releasing the stat block for Boomer. Uh, there'll be a, a couple tweaks um, as well. So different versions of Boomer to throw out your party at different levels. You'll have a low level, a mid level and a high level version, and they will be available to any of the Patreon tiers. But they are, like I said, time sensitive. So if you want to get one of the bosses, you'll have to sign up for that month. If you don't sign up for that month, the boss will go and a new one will replace it, but they will be gone forever. So if you're interested in grabbing the Boomer stat block, head on over to NoQuestCast.com, click the Patreon link, and choose any tier. Whichever one uh, suits you, uh, any of the tiers will get access to the boss rush. Without any further delay, please enjoy our first Q&A session, and we will be jumping in to the narrative once again in two weeks' time to pick up where we left off. We'll see you in two weeks. Welcome back to a slightly less exciting episode Whoa. of No Quest for the Wicked. Don't um, like that from the get-go. <laughs> yeah, calling, I mean, we're, sh-
1: we're sharing our deepest, darkest secrets today.
0: We're burying it, it all, and you're not excited kind of, by that? It's a different kind of excitement. There we go. Um, we're calling this Arrest for the Wicked. It's a chance for us to pump the brakes a little bit, look back at what we've done, and answer some of your questions.
2: A plus name.
0: Yeah, agreed. A plus, um, so today, boys, I have more than two questions for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what could they uh, be? I think there's a question that we should start off with because it makes the most sense is the first one. This comes from, from Brain to Keyboard, and she asks, My only question is, how did you all meet? Three Canadians and a Florida man walk into a bar? Uh, well, I guess the first two of us to meet was me and Dane.
3: Yeah. Um, so one, I'm not Canadian. I'm from Ireland. You probably can't tell from the voice cause
0: I'm still Canadian though.
3: I'm both at this point. Um,
0: but me and Dane used to work together. Yep. Uh, we met, uh, we met at a bar working together. The mm-hmm. universe tried to keep us apart by everyone thinking we hated each other, which was very funny for no reason. yeah. Um, <laughs>
3: Yeah, Everyone. I've actually, I don't think I've ever met a person and then have had a lot of people subsequently tell me, oh, you and that person hate each other and been more confused and yeah. wrong. And then <laughs> we, like, we had one day where we both just sat at the bar and, like, had a few drinks chatted, and chatted. No, it was a
0: casino night. It was the night we went to the casino.
3: Did we not sit at the bar and chat before that? Because I remember you telling me about, like, the flood and stuff. Maybe that was after.
0: Either way. That was became- probably the dig. So we uh Nile and I there's a a thing called the CNE uh, the Canadian National Exhibition um, and they have a really really sad casino that runs 24 hours <laughs> oh in yeah the fairground. <laughs> it's it's a it's a grim scene it's literally like a oh, like a, a convention so center that is just has like fold out tables that they've put like casino games on like roulette and stuff and we went with a few friends from work and then lost all our money and then went back to work to pick mm-hmm. up the guy who was bartending. And I think that's the, what you're remembering is us sitting at the bar chatting was yeah, that in between yeah. <laughs> phase where we then <laughs> went back to the casino at like, which was an even worse idea. So to put
3: it in Starfinder terms, it's like if you bought a casino and put the beige weapon fusion on it.
0: And then Ryan and Niall met
3: again yeah. at work. We worked together. Yeah. Uh, it was love of first sight. I think it was the first fucking like our, uh, like opening like staff party thing. Yeah. I just remember chatting to you and like the beer, the beer love was there and the, you know, the nerdy love was there. And as everyone probably knows, Ryan, Ryan and Dane and Terry, all just wonderful people. So there really didn't take very long to be like, yeah, this one, I choose this one. Yeah. I think we were
2: just <laughs> like, Hey, craft beer, D and D role-playing games, Pathfinder kiss. Like, I'm pretty sure that was a conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. when i first met you ryan um yeah the way you the way you played as a player was just like what the f- who the fuck is this guy um you really pulled a Paid lot an actor
2: of- i'm still on the payroll to <laughs> this day because that's when yeah. we first
1: met i ran a game for you is like our first meeting and, I managed, and oh, to, sh-
3: I managed to slide ryan into one of our games and uh terry went from being a little hesitant which makes sense when you have your DM, you're playing with unknown people and there's like already a lot of us. I think that was the main issue with the sheer number of players. Yeah. And then Ryan was like a gun wielding paladin and he jumped into a spike pit full of spiders to save someone. And I could just see the heart in Terry's eye,
2: like beating
1: Yeah. No, oh, they, they, yeah. the way you RP that paladin made me go like, I, I think I love this man.
2: Well, I love you, Terry.
1: I don't love you too, buddy.
2: You're my first, yeah, you're my first GM in years and like, taking a break. And then, you know, you reignited loving my heart. Oh, that's that means a lot to me. Thank you. Uh, uh, we're saving the story on how the guys met Terry for last for
0: a reason, because it's the best one.
2: <laughs> We've said it a few times, but I think they're like hidden
1: in like uh, session zero and our that live stream we did.
0: Um, yeah. So we I had uh, I would i had taken over GMing in our home game, but I had originally formed the group to be a player because I've always wanted to play. But our GM at the time was real flaky, constantly picking up his parents from the airport. Which and is the worst excuse. I really don't <laughs>
1: know this, why that was the case. I need to know at some point.
0: We'll never know. Um, so I ended up taking up GMing because I knew the rules the best, and uh, we wanted to keep playing, and it was the, the option that made the most sense. Uh, Nile and I then went on a like a six-week Europe trip, and during that time, I was like, man, I really want to play again. So I made a post on Reddit being like, Hey, here's our group. We want you to become part of the family and, and play with us. And I got nothing but fucking hate for it. Everyone hated oh, yeah. that post
1: it's because you listed all your like like high end job descriptions. One of us is a novelist. Uh, another is a uh, a stunt performer and things like that.
0: Yeah, I I was trying to sell people to join our campaign mid campaign in a bunch of. Str- I wasn't gonna be like, so my friends suck dick. They they're the fucking worst. <laughs> like i love that people saw this post and instead of going by
3: or instead of being hype or instead of just being like yeah i'm interested we're like you'll fuck you trying to humble brag trust that your friends are better than mine it's like what why did you choose this to get offended by
1: um, i don't know because when he sent the same thing to me as a message which is probably the next part it's just like it's it seemed a little it seemed warm so i was like oh the, this is cool Anyway,
0: yeah, cuz like the the overarching thing was like we're like I'm not we're not just looking for a GM. Like if you choose to like hang out with us, like you're going to do movie night with us. Well, like we do Christmas, we do Thanksgiving. Like it's it really is like a little family that you're joining and and we want to find the right match, so like, you know, tell us about yourself. Um so eventually I eventually saw a post on Reddit by Terry. Um and this is this was much debated, but I <laughs> messaged Terry first. I have oh it who
3: shot first?
0: Um, and I was just like, he, he, you were saying something along the lines of like, you know, you were new in Canada and Toronto and we're mm-hmm. looking for a group. And, uh, I reached out and was like, Hey, we're also looking for someone. We met at a bar. We had some wings. I believe
1: we met at the wheat chief.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The
1: oldest bar in Toronto. Shout out to that bar. It's still pretty good.
3: Yeah. And it was wonderful. Like I, again, just went from being this complete internet stranger to, like, a very a cool blade. dude to one of our family very rapidly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, fucking wildly incredible. That's that's just fate right there, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, I even lost that account, too. And then I was like, oh, uh, let me... I, ha- I had to re-find it just so I can get back onto it. And it was, like, a few days after Dane messaged me. And it was like, oh, shit. So we almost never met. It. Fate almost didn't happen. That would be so fucked. Like, people
3: wouldn't have, you know the association of rat dick with churros if it wasn't for
2: that moment <laughs> we're doing god's work all the god all their work
0: every day all right where are we going next does someone else want to have a have a question or do you want me to...
1: i do have a question i think it i thought it should have been the first one but i do like I think
0: it should be the last
2: one terry i think we want to be that to be on the end
1: really because i think we should make sure it's because it's kind of an announcement
2: yeah but i think if you do it at the end then like people will have it fresh in their mind at the finish Okay. Okay. Oh, I think want... I know which question you're talking about now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Beginning or end? What do you think?
3: Yeah, let's, I, I'm easy. Let's do a beginning. Let's do it right now. Because why yeah. if people don't make it to the end? Well, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking
1: about. Too thrilling. It,
3: that they're a week. That's fair. <laughs> right. We're doing it at the end. I got one for you guys. This is by Misfit. Uh, Misfit Playland on Twitter. What inspired the world settings for No Quest?
0: Don't need oh, okay. Dan. Um. The world was largely shaped by the boys. Um I had sort of like the rough idea of the planets and they all serve a very unique purpose. Like I was thinking of action set pieces, essentially. So like the cube has a very distinct look. I knew I wanted to do like a, a highway chase on this like light highway that runs through it Um Places like Euron is a desert, is a snow planet, so like, you know, Chirilis is a fire planet, so like, I had all these, like, cool ideas for, play, like, set pieces on those planets, and I just kind of built around it. Um, I homebrew very differently. I, I'm not the kind of person who sits down and writes, like, pages and pages and pages of stuff for places that I haven't been yet. So a lot of, I have the the basic sort of structure and things that I know I need and everything else we build on the show together, um, like, you know, places like we've seen in surf a lot of that was shaped by you guys. Um, I, like Mission to Malibu is specifically because Cody is obsessed with 80s movies, so I needed to have an 80s bar just as an extra hook to get you guys, like, to get one of your characters hooked into it. Um, the overarching thing of, like, Earth dying Cody wanted to be obsessed with 80s movies, and it would be weird to be like, oh, here are all these 80s movies that no one knows because Earth doesn't exist. So why would Roadhouse exist? Why would Top Gun exist? Kind of like cut your character off at the knees. So the whole point of me being like, oh, yeah, Earth actually exists and the gap never happened was because I wanted that to be a part of your character. And I've just built things like a lot of the stuff is just, I'm I'm giving you guys building blocks and, and tools and stuff to play with. Uh, and as, as the thing goes on. So like I haven't finished building knee, for example, because I don't know what I need that planet to do when we get there. But yeah. I, as for inspiration, I think there's another question. I'll, I'll lead into this one as well. Um, Infreak asked, Dane, where do you draw inspiration when developing plot arcs, both larger and smaller? How do you find it? How easy do you find it to actually sit down and plan them out? Um, Again, I don't plan a whole lot of stuff. I know the story beats and like the beginning, the end and sort of like the main hook. And I let you guys really sort of drive how you get there for the most part. Um, But for inspiration, like there are there's a lot of like nods to a lot of stuff that I do. Um, and we talked about it on, uh, the hot ones live stream, but like Goa is heavily inspired by lost. Like there's a lot of lost trivia, like nods and, and references in that. Like you guys crash land half of your ship on a mysterious jungle. Um, there's a polar bear running through the jungle. Um, there's even a part, I believe I put in that, uh, there's a there's a bowl of fish biscuits on Patience decks, which is also like a, a reference. You fight a smoke monster. So there's a lot of r- lost references there. Surf is based heavily on Midgar from Final Fantasy seven. Um, so I just find like things that I really like and and love and, uh, you know, fl- use that as seasoning for the story I want to tell.
1: I I do see surf as a mix. Now now that you mentioned it, I do see the mix of Midgar and like the, uh, the gold saucer kind of all mixed together in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, like the, the, the bazaar is, is sort of like the slums, right? Like it's, it's the, the honeybee, whatever, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that sort of like scummy, but like people doing their best to make a living under the, in the shadow of the, the elite.
1: Um, maybe like a little follow-up question, like, was there, I know like uh, you pulled these things ever like what was and maybe this kind of applies to it. What's the inspiration for the podcast in a way? Like what was the was it just that you had the story in your mind and came out of nowhere? Or like did it just kind of was there a seed, I guess, to the very the beginning?
0: Um, I don't know what sparked like the the main story, like the the overarching narrative. I don't know if I have a. A big sort of like aha moment, it was just something that like. I had the pieces, and once we decided to do this, I started putting them together. And, like, I will also say that I didn't really have uh, them all in order until about, I would say, like, by the time we recorded episode five, I the, the picture was a lot clearer. Um, but the way that things happened and the things that you guys did and the characters that you built... Uh, really sort of put a lasso around all the the jumble and and pulled it into place. And like I said before, like I don't have there are still like question marks in my mind because I don't know what you guys are going to do. I
3: want to know what the like most out of left field thing that's happened so far from us for you. The thing that's thrown the biggest wrench in the gear, the
2: thing that's been the most surprising moment for you.
1: Yeah, there's a correct answer to this.
2: Well, you're very impressive, Dan, because every time we do something, you never show it (laughs) like you're never like, you're never like, fuck, give me a second. You're like, yeah, of course, I expected that to happen. That's the
0: vibe you give off. So that's very impressive. Um, Um, It's because I'm excited, right? Like when you guys do shit, especially stuff that I'm not expecting, I'm fucking hyped for it. It's it's really, really exciting for me um, because, you know, I know what happens in terms of the story but I don't know how you get there. So that's like the, as much fun as it is for you guys to be like, Oh shit, a big reveal for me. It's like, Oh shit, they're doing this. Um, honestly, I think the the big thing for me was uh, uh, how often you guys like to split up and, 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 and how much fun that is narratively. Um, like the idea of during the, the, the fight with um, Voltaire, like you guys split up again, right? Like Merrick starts climbing the thing to get veil. Vale, and like, I I set up things like that to give you guys opportunities. So it's not just, we stand in a line Durn hides and Merrick and, and Cody swing while during shoots. Like, cause like, if that's, if that's the fights, it's fine. If, if you're just fighting like goons, but boss fights, I want it to be dynamic. Um, But then you guys did the same thing at Gregerton. Like, uh, Durham was just like, fuck this, just jumped on a bunch of fucking, crates and went up and fought two dudes and like that's cool um and then the most recent episode where Merrick's just like yeah I'm gonna fight four or like eight dudes yeah right like it's
1: that was wild I can't uh, believe like in retrospect we made those decisions
2: yeah I think that's why I love what we're doing here so much like for me like D&D is more has always been more of a storytelling a means to tell stories than it has been as a game that's my one pet peeve with some you know some sessions even in our game or any other game I've played in our weekly game, it's like we're just trying so hard to survive. It's like, well, let's step outside a little bit. Let's take a risk. Let's like, like do what the story wants us to. You know, like if you're gonna dangle a treat in front of my face, I'm gonna take it, whether it's poison or not. Maybe that's not a good way to be in my day to day life, but for what we're doing here, uh, <laughs> it, I don't know. It's so much more fun. You know?
3: Yeah. Those like the bad decisions are way more fun. You know what I mean? Like when in our last combat when. <laughs> We were me and Darren got off to a really bad start. Well, I, I it was think like natural
1: ones make for a better story. Oh, for sure. You know?
3: But like, even, even with like Cody's first action where it's like, he literally just said in the fucking elevator, like you take the lead. I'm going to follow what you do. And then you like froze. So Cody's like, we're, we're, we're biding our time. And it's like, for me as a player, it's so much more fun to be like, I'm not going to do something this turn because that makes more sense. Even though Arguably, that's how you play the game wrong, right? In game terms, I'm doing a bad thing. In story terms, it's great.
2: Oh, that's know? what we're here to do. I would rather Merrick die because of a decision me and Merrick made than for like a lucky dice roll in a combat. You know, like for I'd sure. rather Merrick go out because I'm like I'm gonna go fight these eight dudes to give my friends a chance because that's what Merrick would do. Yeah, like, if that's how he goes out, that's way more than you know Dane getting lucky in a natural twenty or something. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, it comes down to like, why do you play the game? Are you playing oh. it just because of the? Because there's, I mean, there's plenty of people who play the game and enjoy it just for the numbers and the uh, the the actual gameplay and strategy of it. Yeah, um, but Which, I love more story.
2: Not me. You know me. I hate grids. I hate numbers.
1: That's right. No more grids. No more numbers in my games, boys. And
0: yes. we also benefit of, uh, you know, we're we're a narrative podcast. We know we're doing this for an audience. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. there is. I know a lot of people. um I see it a lot on like Reddit and stuff being expecting your home group to be critical role, right? Like those are, those are professional actors who are doing, making an entertainment product. And like, it's the same thing with like any actual play podcast, right? Like you guys come in ready to like absorb the information and like perform. and And it's like, it's different. Like even when we play in our home game, we don't bring the same level. Because we're there to like unwind. It's our it's our relaxing time. It's it's time to goof around with our friends and stuff. Yeah. Um, and also like five
1: players, it's way harder to keep a narrative up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's like I I I see that a lot on Reddit, and I thought it would be worth mentioning of being like, in your home game, just have fun, just just have a good time. Don't try to if you want to like make a really good narrative that you know everyone's invested in. Start a podcast. That's that's yeah. the way well, to do it. I think more so it's like do what
3: you want to do, right? If you want to get four or five people together and really focus in on this way without making a podcast Mm -hmm. by all means, but like don't feel external pressure, you know what I mean? Don't be like, Oh, as if someone's in the room watching you and judging you, no one gives a fuck. It's your home game. Do what you want with it. You know, if you want to do, you know, this crazy Very deep narrative. Everyone's really invested in, and everyone's down. That's great. If it's just you that wants that, and no one else does, you can't force it on people.
2: Yeah, I think you just have to discuss your expectations with your play group. You know, like like what your the intention is, because you go across the board. I remember the first session I played with you guys, or even when I first joined your weekly session, it went to someone who was just trying to break the numbers as much as possible and barely spoke to me, who was trying to be a drunk old man pirate who was just talking about sharks. (laughs) With uh, female body parts, yeah. So, oh, it's, it's, I have almost, a lot of people play this freaking game.
1: I almost commissioned that art piece. Oh,
2: Should have kept going. She stopped responding.
1: You're... I don't think she liked my request. That's fair. <laughs> now, I do
3: have a tie-in question to this, and yeah. this is by Phil on Discord for Dane. How as a DM do you prepare yourself for the PCs going off the rails in the direction you didn't expect? As a DM, it can be difficult to adapt when you haven't prepared for that path. Any pro tips?
0: Um, this all comes down to not over preparing, right? This game is a, a game of give and take. It's a, a game of ebbs and flows, and I think a lot of people box themselves in by writing down every possible line of dialogue, every possible or like exactly what needs to happen, and you get so hyper fixated on that that you forget that this is this is collaborative story- storytelling. You're you're facilitating the story the players are are playing. Um, and not the other way around. Um, it's a little different, again, for an actual play podcast, because I do have to also make sure that the narrative is cohesive and fun to listen to. Um, but, I mean, thankfully, the, you guys do a great job doing that. Like, I, It's not like I have to wrangle cats or anything. But if it ever does get a little off the rails, it's my job to to herd it back in and, and get you guys back on track. So I think, like, try to be a lot more loose. And just be ready to say yes to a lot of things. My biggest um I the first thing we ever played was Rise of the Rune Lords, which was like the first Pathfinder uh, adventure path. And in that game, you really really have to make sure that the PCs care about the starting town of Sandpoint. Sandpoint is a recurring thing in the game, and if your characters don't give a shit about Sandpoint, there are a lot of like hooks of the adventure aren't going to hit um and i the, the what i tell people my my best advice for people to make that happen and i feel like it can be translated into uh, pretty much all of uh, ttrpgs is say yes to your players if your players want to go to a brothel that only caters to orcs in maid uniforms yes of course it's there oh my god <laughs> that sounds amazing that's right, all like, i want now Dan, by the way because nice. if, you've, if you – if and, I, like, I feel like people do that with their homebrew stuff, too, where they've, like – they spend years creating a city, and they have they know every cobblestone of every street, but the players don't care, right? No one cares about any of that because the players have an idea of what they want to do, and if they're like, hey, I want to go to a brothel that has orcs and maid uniforms, that's not there. Okay, well, then I want to go to a brothel. Uh, that's not there either. Okay, I want to go to a fighting pit. That's not there. And it's not because – you don't want your players to do it, but it's because you didn't think of it when you're building the city, and mm-hmm. you want to stay true to your vision. And it's like, no, who cares? Say yes. And the worst that happens is your players become invested in the city, yeah, right? Because you're going to come up with an NPC on the fly, and that NPC is going to be mean more to your players than you know, Grogdar the Stonebreaker, who the orf or the the dwarf blacksmith that you have like nine pages of backstory on. No, you're going to make a stupid gnome bartender that every PC is going to fall in love with cuz they have a stupid name and a funny voice.
1: Oh my god. Yeah, the amount of players that fall into like low effort NPCs is so high.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. Because it's, because yeah. they're born out of necessity for the players, right? If you're telling them, if you, if I tell you guys, "Oh, you have to go talk to this dwarf blacksmith." You're going to go you're talking to dwarf blacksmith. And you're going to get your quest and you're going to move on. But if you guys are going to a place because you want to be there, you're going to talk to someone who you want to talk to, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's why people like everyone's like so bewildered be like, oh, it's because they're, they're talking to like the stupid NPC I just made up. It's like, yeah, because that NPC means something to them. Mm -hmm. And also if you just pulled them out of your ass, they're
3: probably a little bit more of a blank canvas initially or, you're probably putting some wild spin on them just to make them interesting and if the wild spin obviously going to stand out more and if they're a blank canvas then they're probably growing in relation to what the npc or the pc is doing with them and exactly. therefore are going to relate to it more so it's like of course those two things are going to be more intriguing than somebody you've crafted
0: that may or may not like fit with this specific scenario to put it into context of the show the lightway was supposed to be like a, a 10, 15 minute series of skill checks that like, it was are, meant are to be. You sure. Are you wait, like,
3: well, I think it was meant to be two episodes of almost like a party.
0: wipe, Right.
1: Yeah. That yeah, sounds right. Yeah. That was so all planned.
0: It, it like, it was literally meant to be like pilot check, pilot check. Oh no, here's the thing. Roll an attack roll to shoot the pylon to like get off the rails and you did it. But you guys just beefed it so hard oh, that no. it ended up being, but like I played with it, right? Like, And now, episode three and four that that are part of that lightweight chase are some of my favorites. I think we I think it made for really, really, really exciting things. I could have just hand-waved it and been like, no, this isn't supposed to happen. So you know I can still put myself in the room at that time. I was sweating. I
3: was stressed. (laughs) It was like I breathe a fucking sigh of relief at the end. Like it was intense. And like it was awesome. I can't imagine having gotten past all that without this grueling chase that just like took its toll, you know?
0: And, uh, I never told you guys this, but there was a lose scenario. Like if you guys fucked up on the cube and didn't escape you, I had a whole thing for you guys going to Chirellis. Interesting. Yeah. Like you I guys almost, would have gone to prison. <laughs> I almost wish it happened, but I, I'm, I don't
3: cause everything was great. I have a question. When we did our first three contracts, you know, ending with Greg and Frag, uh, if we had chosen to go to the bomb first, would you have initiated Greg and Frag or would you have somehow come up with a way for us to, like, have done all the other ones?
0: No, I had a, like, end case for every delivery. So oh. if we'd
3: done the bomb, would it have ended on something else? Yes.
1: Fucking Damn, that would have. Yeah.
0: yeah. That would have yeah, changed so much. I mean, like there was always going to be like the, like there was always someone who was going to be the the reckoning deliverer. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, for the robots, if you did the robots last, it would have been Treg Gorskin, who's like okay. the, the the security or
3: security guy, right? Or Yes. Yeah. Right?
0: Um, so it would have been him who would have come to like meet you guys to debrief you, and he would have shot you. And gone into the the reckoning speech, so uh, it would have been framed looking like you guys just murdered the security officer of the cube. Mm. Um, then, if you did the delivery last, you would have gone, and he would have just detonated the package, framing you and Nix. Nice,
3: I, I like yeah because
0: but- I uh,
3: I if but- I had been playing a character that was more like take charge. I would have definitely gone with the bomb first. Well, this is
1: a, this is like an example of like how you should probably prep as a GM. Like y- you kind of have an end point in mind, but it, there's enough wiggle room and free flow that you can be like, you're going to get there eventually. But the players have enough choice and like mm-hmm. room to move around within within it. Right.
0: Yeah. It's all about illusion of choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, don't
1: don't give away that secret, Dame.
0: <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> Player choice
1: is an illusion.
0: I, I want you guys to make choices. But I also know I need to tell a story. So I want you guys to to get there however you want to get there. And it's my job to make sure that the story is waiting for you when you get there. Um, so, yeah, I was like, by all means, do it in whatever order you wanted to. Um, and again, you guys like searching for shit uh, was great because it gave me time to be like, oh, you're taking too long. So you're losing the contracts. And because you guys hadn't, it was the first time you interacted with the the tavern proper. Uh, you, I guess you know, you guys didn't know how many contracts are usually there or how fast they're taken, so it was hmm. like it was it was fun to just be like, oh shit, we're we're taking too long. We got it. let's just take these jobs before they go. Yeah, I figured you were kind of just taking the piss with us,
3: like yeah, yeah, not only like making us freak out, but like teasing us with like high value
0: quests and then being like, nope, you're level one, haha. <laughs> and that's kind of what I wanted to do as a means to like kind of a big thing that I love doing is pulling the rug out from under people and like setting something up and flipping it on its head Hmm. or alternatively listening to the stupid bullshit that you guys say and (laughs) then throw it at you. Like the fucking elephant. elephant. Yeah. Like the, I, I was telling, I think we talked about it again on the, the, the hot winds uh, challenge, but like the original plan for the siege of Kaya was there was just going to be the lumberjack was just the thing stripping the bark off the tree. And it was just slowly making its way. And you were going to have to try to find a way um, to stop it, which was like fighting into the drill and doing some computer checks to like turn it off. Uh, And that was, that was it. You were just going to fight a bunch more of the nobles while you were trying to like deactivate the lumberjack before it got all the way around. And there was going to be a round counter. Um, But then when you guys were like, there's an elephant. I was like, "Yeah, of course, there's a fucking elephant. Let's go." <laughs> That's my and Terry's greatest moment.
1: Yeah, I'm very proud of that. I'm proud of that mind link we we shared
0: for that yeah. moment. Um, so I'm going to toss it to you guys now. Um, Dan, the GM says, uh, "What are your favorite mo? Or sorry, what are your favorite moments?" Uh, oh, cheek oh pouch God. bomb, in, in with in the back of the
3: longsword. Yeah.
1: That yeah was, okay. I do agree on that one. yeah that
3: <laughs> that was fucking great. That was so cool. I was like losing my mind over in my little office just so impressed by Terry. It was very cool.
1: It was one of those things where it like when you listen back, it feels like we planned it. we didn't no, no. that's all improv shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, like it was insane. It was wonderful. I'd like to interject here that we don't we've scripted nothing. we've re-recorded nothing no. like everything on air and in the show is all improv It's it, it almost seems hard to believe sometimes the way things have worked out and that some of the things that you guys have done or said, uh, but it is, I'm, I'm always impressed with you guys ability to like, just roll with it. Um, Terry, what are, what's, do you have a, another favorite movement?
1: Uh, I think, I think it was that one. give me a, uh, I got a why while I think about it real quick.
0: Um,
2: for me, I guess I don't know if it's moments, but I just love so many of the NPCs you put into the game, like Mo and Poe and Short Jack. Like, they're just so much fun to interact with. So a lot of those scenes are some of my favorite.
3: It very much felt good as Cody to have taken the axe from the elephant and then get that big hit with it. That was a fun moment for me. Um, The sandworm, obviously.
2: Fucking oh, awesome. yeah. The sandworm was a blast.
1: Um, if I think back, I think, um, especially for me in playing Durin, like one of my favorite, com- one of my favorite parts was, uh, his conversation at the end of Goa with Patience. Uh, I think that's one of my favorite like moments where I really just felt in character. And I, I, I don't know. I, I really like that
2: moment. Um, I, I also do like that after every sort of arc or big moment, Durin and Merrick always have a private conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feels feels so left out? We oh. always have a, well it's like you're our son so it's two dads talking about what to do next, you know?
1: Yeah, I had that two dad moment and I hope that got uh, left in the edit oh, cuz yeah. I was just like, okay, cool cuz like, oh fuck, where we're his dad's? Yeah. Where is dad's?
3: Uh, Duran Spice Market moment with Cody. Love oh, that. that's
1: a good one. That's a good one.
3: Um the the whole fucking rat man thing the three Rat. of us, the plan, the Holy interaction.
1: Holy shit, Ratman was so
3: funny. I think when we were in the store, and we're trying to show that we can take these guys out without doing a thing, and he's just like, "Blow through the glass," and then <laughs> just making these shitty comments from the window was so fucking funny. Especially when it then transitioned to him looking at his reflection in the window.
1: Oh my like, God. I my
3: Actually, died. Uh, I like. It's just so good. S- I, I can see
1: it, it so visually in my head too. It was so funny. I think yeah.
3: that's just a very good like moment to just look at each one of us and our
0: brand of bullshit. Because all four of us were very just us in that, and it was very fun. Yeah. So surf was fun to to run because I didn't have a solution for any of the contracts. I like the only one that like really had a had a thing was. Uh, the one with the the Yosoki assassin, like the Fur Clan assassin. I knew you they were going to attack you because that was like the hook. Um but I didn't know where. Like you guys could have decided to go investigate anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that would have been where they attacked you. Like it didn't matter. Um but with Ratman I was like I just I don't have a plan for this. I don't know how you're gonna solve this. I'm gonna let you guys solve it with whatever plan you come up with. And that what was-
1: when he, when he kept threatening to disappear when we looked away was oh, the sh- best holy so shit funny <laughs> oh
0: that was so
3: funny yeah that that whole thing was fucking hilarious, also like I was so worried we were gonna lose the ratman contract as Cody and Nile yeah. um i I will say I, it breaks my heart that we never got to like do the other ones. I want to have done all of them.
2: Oh, yeah, the one with was someone was going on a date or something.
3: Oh, the fucking date and also yeah. the food cart that we had to escort. But the date for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was an Damn old it. man who was you just and it was literally you're just going to have to do it like a getting ready montage with this old guy. <laughs> but you know what? I feel
3: like you still managed to have our montage moment with us trying on outfits. So
0: so <laughs> the the date was going to be sort of a foreshadow of the drip. Mm -hmm. And it was it was going to be a moment to like inform your outfits uh, because he was a he was a dude who used to be like a bar star in the drip. Yeah. So you're going to go and you're going to like look in his closet and it was going to be absolute mad shit Mm -hmm. like (laughs) stuff. You'd be like, why does this man have this? Why is there like a like rhinestone chicken suit? Like, why is there like what is this? And it was going to be sort of like a hint towards things to come. All right. Well, I got. I got to do this one, Dane. How dare?
3: Oh, <laughs>
1: uh, I suppose. How dare you? Nope. How no, dare? No, it's, it's not a Dane. How dare? From uh, how our, dare. from our, from Dice Friends, Waffle yeah. Frog, Waffle
3: Frog. Thank you, because we've all been thinking it. How dare?
1: How
0: dare? Uh, I do. I dare a lot, to be honest.
3: <laughs> uh, I do love the second question, though. You have to replace two of the PCs with Muppets. Who's getting replaced, and with which Muppets?
0: See, my knee-jerk reaction was to leave Durin regular.
3: (laughs) I think that's, yeah, that's
0: pretty good. But I don't think (laughs) so. I think, think, honestly, I think, oh, you go, sorry. I think it's got to be Merrick's days. Oh, God, yeah. Because if you think about, like, how Muppet, like, Merrick is very balanced. Merrick is very, like... He's the straight man, right? Despite the, as as dour and serious as Durin is, you could make that into a Muppet in the way that, like, an over-exaggerated, grumpy old rat is an excellent Muppet character. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He's just right. one of the
2: two old men up in the... Yes. Like, Waldorf <laughs> and what's-his-name, yeah. Oh, my God. Right?
0: <laughs> to It, it, it works uh. best. Like, think of The Christmas Carol. Fucking Michael Caine plays that role As serious as a fucking heart attack. And it works.
1: I love that movie so much.
0: So I think
3: I would go with Cody uh, being the only one not a Muppet. Because then you have, like, the most silly and most Muppet-like person not being a Muppet. Then we're a kid show. the two most serious people as Muppets. And then when (laughs) when they have to go have their chats, like, Cody's off being an idiot in, like, you know, Mission to Malibu. And they're there, like, or, like... (laughs) So one of my favorite moments is when Durin uh, kills Asuka. Oh, oh yeah. So imagine a fucking Muppet doing that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, <it's> a- <laughs> Once again, it's Waldorf. And for me, Cody would be Elmo. I know Elmo doesn't really count, but to me he does. Yeah,
1: Cody would be Elmo. That's a good call. So for
3: me, it, I just feel like it's really funny to have the most serious people be Muppets, Muppets and the least
2: serious people be real.
1: Though Mer- Merrick, I would I see you as Gonzo. I don't know why. Yeah.
2: I also forget that Merrick's the youngest by a decent amount. Technically, wait, is he? Is he? Yeah, he's only a year out of his tempering, or a year and a bit. Oh, he feels so much older. Yeah, well, I, that year with Asin, I think, was a, was a, a lot of years built in.
0: <laughs> also, like, think about your upbringing—like constantly yeah. being beaten by your fucking <laughs> brothers and like tossed around and trained to be the perfect warrior and shit. Like, yeah. that's going to age people.
1: Yeah. And the very important question uh, that's that's third on that list now, which I know Dane's going to love to answer Mm -hmm. your PC or favorite NPC for Dane gets isekai into an anime. Which one would they be best suited for?
2: What does that mean? (laughs) Um, I'm just going to assume Merrick's would be Trigun. Yeah. Desert guns. Guys,
3: what does that
0: mean? So I feel like
3: I could do pretty well in One Punch because I am kind of just Demon Cyborg, but yeah. worse. Uh,
1: One punch feels right for you. I don't That's know so where I don't mean. I don't watch enough I don't <laughs> watch enough anime these
2: days to know uh, where to put Durin. Oh my god. I will think on it. For for the for you, Dan, Isekai is like a subgenre of shonen anime and manga. So what it sort of means is a character dies and gets transported to another world.
3: Oh my god, you know what I fucking yeah. want? I want spy family but it's fucking Durin and Thimble.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
3: How fucking wonderful would that be?
0: Yeah. I will so say, Jay, what,
1: what, what's your favorite NPC and what uh, anime would they be isekai to?
0: Um, you know what? I I only know like two animes that i watched, which was Pokemon and Dragon Ball when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm going to say, here's what I'm going to say. I want to see Short Jack... In Dragon Ball, because they always had like weird animal people, right?
1: Yeah, he would fit in. Yeah, yeah. They never explain that shit.
0: He'd just be like
3: a Krillin. Yeah, Uh, there are rabbit people in My Hero, so or Yamcha.
2: Nah, he'd fit in. I don't know. Short Jack's
1: a step above Yamcha. We can. I don't know.
2: After that starship combat, he pulled it off barely. Jesus. Damn, okay. <laughs> that was so harsh. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was channeling that for a second. Yeah, yeah, oh my god.
1: Um. And this maybe shifts to the next question. When do we get the Short Jack and Jenny spinoff?
0: Hey, when we start our Kickstarter to... Yeah. When we wrap up this arc or this campaign, we'll start a Kickstarter to get a, a Jenny Short Jack short film done.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, what else are
2: here? that uh, Cool. Um, I think we talked about this before, like on the live stream, but we'll just go over it again real quick. What is everyone's favorite class, uh, type of class to play? So like Marshall caster sneaky, uh, and the character we're playing right now in the campaign, is it normally the kind of character we play or do we do something different on purpose? That's from Infreak. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. uh, who wants to take it first?
2: Uh, I like to shake it up.
3: I don't really like to play the same thing over and over. Um, so I don't really think I have a favorite class type to play. I obviously like, I kind of like versatility. I don't want to be a one trick pony. You know what I mean? Um, which is weird. Cause I picked soldier. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's basically it. Like I, I, I don't like to be one kind of like brand of, of class and Cody, it was the idea came long before I thought of the class. Because Dane had floated the idea of a Starfinder podcast a long time ago, and he just kind of like popped into my head. And I was like, okay. So when we got there, I was like, what fits this best? And I felt like Soldier did.
2: Hmm. Um, for me, uh, I do like to play a lot of big wacky things, different wacky things. but The class I always come back to is Paladin or some like whatever version of Paladin that is. Whether it's Paladin Crusader is the one in 2E, I think, right?
1: yeah yeah
2: or solarian i just think they're so cool you get a little bit of magic you get a great martial setup and you get some really easy like plot hooks like that devotion or like for america's case that balance it's just really cool to play with where you can push it as a pro as a con it's just some gives you some cool interesting challenges uh from a role play side that i'm quite fond of yeah um
1: for me i don't normally play sneaky boys i, I don't I don't, it's going to be weird maybe to say, but I don't care about the class at all. There's nothing that usually draws me or goes either way. Um, It's mostly like I come up with the character and then it's about like what class works best for that character. Um, And that's just kind of how I've always done player or character generation.
2: Yeah, I'm the opposite, which is neat. I just pick a class and I look through it and I see what do I like about that that I can sort of like pin it on. Like I picked a Kasothan for Merrick because I found out the whole tempering thing. I thought that was a cool little hook. So I just dove in on that.
0: Yeah, I, I do the same thing. That's the way I build my characters. I'll, I'll look through stuff. And if there's like a feat chain, that seems really fun or an archetype or especially in one E like the archetypes are so usually like very specific and really change how things get played. Um, I, I try to find something that inspires me there and then kind of work backwards Uh, Like I played a mesmerist who was able to like change people's fate. I could like alter dice rolls after the fact um, to an aggravating like efficiency. Um, And I was like, oh, it'd be really fun if like the reason he can alter other people's fate is if he's given up his own. So he's this like egocentric dude who thinks that he's the star of the show, but literally can't be because he's traded his destiny away. Um, So, yeah, I I do the same thing. Like I, I work backwards. Mm -hmm. now we did skip
3: the best question which is how do we get any work done at all by being so adamantly dashing as we all are uh thank you scullion
0: uh i smash all the the mirrors in my house because i otherwise (laughs) my my screen is is matte black no reflective surface on it otherwise i'll get lost in my own eyes when i'm editing that's that's also why dane never ages
3: uh what inspired
0: the decision to do an actual play podcast on my starfinder by infreak I mean, I, we're, we're all Paizo fans. Like we're all, we're all heavily deep in the Paizo verse. And when Starfinder came out, I was like, this looks fucking sick. Mm -hmm. And
3: we've all played Pathfinder for years. And we have been at the time, I think you came up with the idea. I don't think we were playing to yet, but like, I think like it was a pretty, because we start playing Starfinder for the first time for the podcast And a lot of it was that, like, we knew Paizo are great. We knew that the system would be really fun. And it's like, it was a little different. I think that was one of the main reasons we chose Starfinder, because, like, there are a lot of D&D and Pathfinder, uh, like, podcasts out there. So it's like to try to stand out a little bit, do a little Starfinder and, you know, It's a win-win because it's not like we even had to compromise. It's not like, oh, we took an L, but we chose something different. We took a fucking W because Starfinder is great. We just hadn't played it yet. So it was like all wins.
2: Yeah, I'm also just so over the generic fantasy setting. Like It's fun every once in a while, but I feel like role-playing games can do so much more with different settings and stuff. And I feel like this is a way to get people interested in that too.
1: Yeah, we, we've been in that fantasy setting for such a long time, just like us playing 1E for years. So it's like, yeah, it's it's definitely a breath of fresh air. It's just a yeah. good system. All in all, The the ship combat, the standard combat, all the races, the classes, it's all just good shit. I, 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 I struggle I, to complain about the system. I don't
3: yeah. think you lose a single thing by going to, to Starfinder, but you gain some stuff, too. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, it's not like, oh, well, in fantasy, we could do X. It's like, no, nah,
0: it's it's all there. Well, because, yeah, because Starfinder is a science fantasy setting, mm-hmm. which yeah. is, is sort of like you, you get the best. So, yeah, I, I think Starfinder is uh, for systems that are rules heavy. I think it is one of the tightest systems that you can play. I think there is, they've, there's enough, like, versatility and, like, you know laser focused rules for things that like if you're if you're really into that kind of stuff um and it's also a really easy system to simplify as well there's like a lot there's a lot you can take out or not even know about like almost every weapon or weapon type has like special qualities like i learned this you can shoot lasers laser weapons through glass and wait what yeah we've mentioned the podcast a bunch Yes, so brain just deletes
1: it for some reason.
0: (laughs) There's there's a bunch of like different like qualities that all the weapons have that follow science, you know, quote unquote. Um, (laughs) But it it, it just but like, you know, nothing. I don't think anything is going to go to waste by not following those things, you know. So like you can you can dive as deep as you want. Or You can simplify it as much as you want, and I, I feel like it stands on its own. So, like, Starfinder is a, a really, really good system. Uh, that I've just the more I play, the more I'm like, God, this thing slaps. And what inspired the decision to do an actual play podcast? Uh, for me, it's I it, it, I think I listen to more actual play podcasts than anything else. I, <laughs> uh, the only other show I listen to is my brother, my brother, and me, and everything else is like a, the Adventure Zone, another DD podcast, Dimension 20. Uh, those are the things that, that I listen to and I like that, um, Drew asked, is there a particular TTRPG story either from personal play or other podcast consumption that has inspired you the most? And I think it's, I think most people who have listened to it probably understand. I I get a lot of my GMing style from, uh, the way Griffin did balance in mm. Adventure Zone. I'm heavily inspired by that. I was, it's really sort of like what opened the door for me of being like, oh shit, this is a really, really cool way to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kaz is it's, phenomenal. it's, or it's a, Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's really cool because I come from a filmmaking background. I used to do short films, I had a YouTube channel. I, I would do all those things, but I was always so limited based on time and money and equipment and resources. But with this, if I want to do a fucking high speed chase through a sci-fi cube city over a light highway with flying cars, all I have to do is describe it well enough and I've done it. And that like the potential for that kind of storytelling. And I don't think there's any downside to it. Like, I think like, I think we've all had those moments of very clearly seeing what's happening
3: yeah, I remember when we were when we started podcasting with our other podcast, Fuck Buddies, and initially, because we wanted to do a podcast, and we floated the idea of doing an actual play, and this was ages ago, and I remember we didn't do it because there's a lot of work and there's a lot more kind of that goes into it. I'm really glad we didn't because this all came together so well, but I was also very worried at the time that we never would, you know, and I'm really glad we did. I fucking love it every week. I'm so excited or every two weeks. I'm excited to record.
1: Um, for me, it was uh, the glass cannon was the big one for me that inspired me to kind of jump back into uh, tabletop again. Um, I like a lot of uh, Troy in particular's GMing style. So I kind of like I like to incorporate a bit of that into it. Um, I like uh, there's some good like player versus GMing thing that, uh, that I kind of enjoy. Like there's a little conflict that I like to play upon. But yeah, that's that's mine.
2: Uh, I'll be the one to say something more mainstream. Uh, For me, it's Dimension 20. I was just always been a big improv comedy guy, a big uh, college humor guy. So when they first came out with Fantasy High, I consumed that like nobody's business. And the production level and Bradley Mulligan and just like how, how all the players, once again, love to fail and love to play off each other. Like that for me is just my favorite by a mile.
3: Yeah, Fantasy High is just so good. Like it's just insanely good it's masterful yeah yeah and that's the thing it's like i like taz got me into the genre you know what i mean like we'd already played but like i did i don't think i understood just how incredible actual play could be until i listened to balance and like cried at the end you know what i mean like it's it's insane and then from there dimension 20 like nadpod just it really just like i think dimension 20 showed me just how like fun it can be but also like professional like i'm I'm not sure what the word is it's it's masterful you know what i mean like taz is wonderful don't get me wrong balance is great but like it's a very different vibe it's a lot of fun it's a lot of chaos it's still incredible but like dimension 20 is so polished and beautiful while also it's just great i
2: don't know so those are two huge ones for me take an improv class if you want to up your role-playing ability it's just so much fun and the basics go real far in what we do
1: I'm actually going to yeah. be starting one soon. So, good for nice. you, buddy.
0: Yeah, I honestly I believe improv should be taught as part of curriculum. The 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 social skills you get from taking a couple improv classes cuz like 90% of improv is listening. And the other half is giving something back, right? Like yes and no, but um so like just the the sheer amount of conversational skills you get from improv and being able to interact in social settings and be a little bit more confident as well, like taking risks, I, like I think everyone would benefit. You look at like how many people are anxious in social situations or like uncomfortable talking to strangers and stuff like that. Improv classes would fix that for so many people because a lot of people just don't have the toolkit to to like listen. Yeah, Terry, have you ever taken an improv class or anything?
1: No, no, I have not. Yeah. Why?
3: i was just wondering because I know the other two boys have and i uh, was just interested. Yeah, I haven't either, but no, I I've just been do... doing
1: it for sev- I've been doing this for 17 years. Just yeah. I'm probably going to taking an improv class soon, but
3: that's it. Yeah, sick. yeah I, I guess I used to do debate. So it's like there is I was captain of the debating team because I'm real cool. Um, there is a level of improv. To that, where like, you know, if people do point of orders and shit, or you have to do like your closing speech, and also it gets you confident speaking in front of people, which is kind of podcasting. So,
0: um, Here's one that I like. Uh, Adam asks, what would have been different if the boys added the med bay? Everything. <laughs> Everything.
3: Well, we'd have at least two relationships because we have two incredibly hot doctors on board.
0: Well, it's funny. I don't want to. I, I'm going to peel back a little bit of the curtain. If you had the med bay, Link probably would have come with you. Okay. All fair, right. Fair. Um, I was actually surprised you guys didn't try to recruit Link or anyone from the arc. See, Link, one, I keep getting in trouble for recruiting people.
3: So, Cody, <laughs> I mean, he did say he was going to recruit Dr. Ross, and then I totally forgot. Or did I ask? Maybe I did. I can't remember. No, I don't think you did. Um, yeah, I remember I, you did say that you forgot. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, she obviously wasn't gonna come. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm, I'm, Link just seems so happy to be there. It wouldn't make sense to to bring them with us. You know what I mean? And on top yeah. of that, it's like Link and Short Jack, They're not the same, but they're similar enough in in the way that like, yeah, I think like that niche is filled. But like, he's just so happy, you know? Like Link going down the the like the tunnel and like naming all the fish and like. I just I could it didn't even cross my mind that they'd want to leave. That's fair. I'm no. glad
0: that they didn't. Because I think you're right. I think uh having two adorable like critter creatures characters would mm. be would be too much. Yeah. Um so
2: what did we even take over the med bay again? I can't even remember. Was it just like a different gun? <laughs> Probably I don't remember.
1: I, I love, remember. It, I
2: love how we spent so much time picking out weapons instead of like med bays and stuff, and we've had one ship combat. But to be fair, it
0: was a devastating ship combat. So, um, true. so I wanted to talk about that as well. Um, we talked about it briefly. Uh, I don't even know if it was on air, I think it was after we recorded that episode. Um, that will be the last lose case scenario that I put you guys in. Oh, the um, last episode, yeah, yeah, because like I tried something, I thought it would be cool to do like this flash forward at the beginning of the arc to be like. You know, play on the tropes. I, In my mind, I was thinking of the Firefly episode where the, like, power core goes down or, mm. like, the life support goes down, and it starts with uh, Mal, like, crawling towards the engine and then dying. Um, and I was like, that happens in a lot. Like, I'm sure there are Star Trek episodes that do that. You It's know, also that, kind like, of,
3: what, Final Space, the start of it where he's just, like, floating? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, like, I, I wanted to play onto that trope that, like, I feel a lot of sci-fi shows do and a lot of shows just in general do of that, like flash forward of being like this catastrophic situation. Like, how do we get out of it? Um, or how does it come to be? So I did sort of like tie our hands in the sense of being like, you're not going to win this combat. Um, and I appreciate you guys playing as though you were. Um, and I like, I appreciate you guys playing along with it, but I think from here on out, uh, I don't want to take agency away from the characters anymore. I think the stakes are getting high enough that the losses need to be of your own design Mm. and the victories need to be hard fought. Um, And that's always been a thing. Like I've I've challenged you guys. Like I've put you through combats that when you guys win, you've earned it. Like every Mm. boss fight, you guys have done a very good job in.
3: Well, fucking Voltaire, that was getting oh, dodgy. Oh, Voltaire
0: is brutal. Um, And it's like, that's that's what I want it to be, right? Like, I want I want you guys to be fighting for your lives, and I don't want the audience to be like, they're the main characters, they're fine.
3: Yeah, well, I think it was very, very, very close that Cody was not walking away from Voltaire. Like, I was down to, I think, one, like, or two, two stamina points, so I could have rev- revived once.
0: And we now he's all gone.
3: Yeah, re- yeah what did I say? You said stamina. <laughs> no, I believe me, I lost all that. Yeah, so resolve points. Um, so I, I could have gotten up one more time. And again, you saw how that went. Every time I got up, I got downed.
0: Yeah, so I want to, I, I'm going to make it a, a statement of being like, yeah, from here on out, uh, I, I'm not going to put you guys in positions where you're meant to lose. I might put you in positions where you're meant to run like where you might be up against challenges that are uh, beyond your capabilities. Mm -hmm. But if you choose to fucking stand there and fight, that is a decision you guys make. Um, And I will try to give you the GM nod of being like touching that statue might be a bad (laughs) idea. Are you sure Um, you want to do that? (laughs) Yeah. Like in our home game, we just fought a giant fucking (laughs) sea monster that we definitely probably shouldn't have. No. Oh,
1: cool. All right. I know we, where you guys are in that story now.
0: Yeah, we got... I won't say lucky, but we got lucky. Um, Kay asked, what creature or boss did you have the most fun making? Uh, Voltaire, for sure. I loved building sort of, like, this super dynamic fight where not only are you doing, like, regular combat, but Voltaire is also, like, making it a show. So, like, the lasers and the the dance floor and the, like the fog filling the... Um, it was a lot of fun trying to be like, how could like, what would a boss fight look like if it was televised weekly? And that was, and that was my, uh, that was my hook for, for Voltaire. And I had a really fun, uh, fun time putting that together.
1: Oh, I have a good next question for us. Uh, what was from, uh, Dan, the GM, uh, what is the inspiration for each character?
3: That's a good one. Why don't you go first?
1: Um, I uh, let's see. I like the reluctant hero. Like um, there's there's several stories of this. Uh, I think 13 assassins, uh, Metal Gear Solid, things like that. Um, There's that kind of reluctant hero who gets the call to action and his either morals or the thing things he believes in just kind of force him to do it. And I always like
2: those kind of characters Um, for me. Um, if there's anything uh, everyone should learn about me is that I am uh, lazy and will push things back as far as possible. So when we decided to do this and Dan was like, yeah, we need that idea. And I was like, oh, shit. So I sat down and just started looking over stuff. And I, in the past, I, did, I had just done a bunch of big, wacky, silly, out-of-the-box characters just for my own enjoyment. So I wanted to do something a little bit more of a straight man, a little bit more stable. Um, and then obviously I love Paladin. So I sort of landed on Solarian. found the cool tempering thing. So went with Kasothan and then wanted to sort of read about that. And the whole idea of Kasothan's history and culture and, and sort of the modern like, you know, the, how to play around with that idea was pretty cool. So that's sort of where he started. Yeah. I really
3: like, uh, like I, obviously I love over the top eighties action heroes. Um, because they're so ridiculous, but they're so fun. So I always kind of wanted to play one like that, but I also didn't want to just be one note. Cause I think if it was Cody playing that earnestly, if he was actually, kind of, and they're also kind of problematic in a lot of ways as well. Like some of the movies I love, they wouldn't get made today. And that's probably for the best. Um, and obviously I don't love those parts of those movies, but I also really like playing like I really like the dichotomy between like Cody's innocence and like loveliness and like almost childlikeness, and then the badassness and the like over the top action hero so like for me it was just a way to do both of those things and like the sci- science fantasy setting really lets you play around with that so I was like you know what if there was this badass like soldier cyborg android thing but like he was built by a child and like socialized on 80s action movies and that's how he was, you know, taught to be. So I just that was kind of what I wanted. I wanted to hit kind of both both paths. You know, I want to eat my cake and have it. And uh I really like playing Cody.
0: Oh I didn't see this one before. Uh In freaked asks uh Dane, if you were a player, what race slash class would you play? Uh I'm currently building a Mystic for a little project we have coming up. And uh, I realized that mystics are fucking cool, so I think I would, uh, I think I would play a mystic uh, again, and uh, really do something fucking wild. Like the connections in there are are pretty crazy, um, and pretty flexible. So I think uh, I'm currently building a delusion mystic that has a solar or a solarian weapon. Um, because you can just do whatever the fuck you want. I guess as a mystic, uh, it, it's it's very fun. It's it's really cool. I like playing characters with like as as much as now likes versatility. I like I like finding a very like niche narrow role and being like I'm gonna be the guy that just debuffs the shit out of people, and I'm gonna be that annoying asshole for the entire campaign. Uh, so that uh, that for me. So right now I'm playing a uh, a. Oh man, what are they called? Riphoid, I believe. Rhyfoian or something like that. They're like these weird, like half elf, half fox people. And I'm uh, I'm playing a mystic, so that's that's what I would do. Uh,
2: did you guys consider any other race slash classes? Um, not really. Like I I think I really wanted to play Solarian. Like I looked at different Solarian builds. Like I looked at maybe doing Solar Flare or Solar Armor, but okay. had to go with the lightsaber. Um, I looked at the a little bit, but once again, I just found a hook in Kasatha that made sense. It made, honestly, it made me have to come up with less original information.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, like the, like I said before, the way I generate characters or player characters, uh, I usually come up with the concept first and it's just like, um, yeah, just kind of just so operative, just kind of like it all fit. So I guess the answer's short answer is no.
3: Yeah, I also didn't like Cody kind of popped in my head very early on when Dane floated the idea. And then like when we decided to actually record like a year or two later, I was like, yeah, I'm doing Cody. And then I was like, episode one, I was like, fuck, am I an idiot? Like, did I just not think like maybe I should have spent time and been like, oh, but it worked out.
0: Yeah, I'm very happy you guys didn't play a human as as much like there was a part of me that was hoping that you would play a human because... Uh, The whole, like, you know, humanity leaving Earth thing would be a fun thing to kind of like play with. But I think having a space show where you're all playing space characters is fun. Um, And it's like now, if, you know, in season two or whatever, if we're still playing Starfinder, uh, having a human character would be a little more interesting because we Mm -hmm. haven't seen we haven't seen someone play that yet in this world do you guys have any questions for me about like what could have happened or what might've happened or
2: I don't know. I don't know if this is like too broad of a sort of question, but like if I didn't come up with as like what was your, like did you have another big bad in
0: mind kind of thing or like that kind of, that style of character? Um, not right off the bat as, as yeah. quickly as I introduced as um, when you gave me that, I was like, Oh, this is fun because it's a it's a blank slate, but I it's someone that's connected to you. Um, so I was like, I'm I'm gonna throw this at you right away. <laughs> yeah, on. that it's it's I like having a villain that's recurring that you kind of know you can't fight yet. Yeah, yeah, and who isn't necessarily hostile. Like other than that one sort of feral moment at the very beginning, Asim really hasn't fought you guys or tried to attack you or do anything to you he's just sort of like showed up and been and, yeah
3: <laughs> yeah uh, it's kind of funny that we're like fucking Azim, but like arguably he saved us from that destroyer so
2: thanks yeah.
0: dude yeah you were about to get shot by a tank before Azim showed up yeah and he punched us so cool um but it's fun because like and we haven't talked about this either um but American Dura I mean I guess all of your backstories are pretty undefined like we are learning those together Mm. as the audience does yeah Well, I I have no
3: idea because we took the memory loss very literally (laughs) so I
0: gave like a little bit of before and that's yeah yeah you gave me like the the chess pieces but not what to do with them Mm. um which is fun. I, I've enjoyed that. I know that it can be a little tiring and a little exhausting for GMs. But for this purpose, I think is is a lot of fun for me. Mm-hmm. And um, we,
3: we talked about, like, I was like, how much do you want? You know, do you want me to leave it in your hands? You know, I wouldn't
0: just yeah. be like, I'm not doing the work. It's on you. Lol, fuck you. And then same thing with, like, Durin. Like, Durin knows, like, that there was a betrayal. Mm-hmm. But we haven't defined that. Like, and I know... I know what's happened and I'm excited to like reveal those things, but I'm also, I have notes on everyone's characters and especially Durin of things that he said he's done or mm-hmm. things that he knows or things that like, you know, anything that Duran sort of like mentioned, I've put in a little like list so that when it comes time to do the reveal of like why he left, why everyone's trying to kill him, that it will be grounded and rooted in Terry's fiction if that makes sense. So Terry isn't yeah. Terry doesn't know, <laughs> but Terry's building it as he goes.
1: Uh and yeah, I guess that's that's such a fun way to tell a story because I like to keep it vague. I want to put a lot in like I kind of have a loose idea that I don't mind it kind of getting changed or adjusted cuz I want it to be in your hands mostly, Dane, and I want us to like come up with it together, right? In that kind of joint storytelling way.
0: Yeah, and I oh, think man. it's I think it's fun for you to be like Because we're going to do it like we're playing flashbacks and we're playing with like going to like these moments of trauma for you guys, like Cody reliving his time with Alpha and Duren reliving his time with the fur clan. So like we're playing those things in real time. So you're going to experience the reveals for the first time for the first time, if that makes sense. It's like
3: we're injecting authenticity into it, right? Because, like, it's been a ride being Cody. And, like, I guess the fact that I don't know, it makes it a lot easier to play the fact that I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, like, I want those moments of, like, oh, shit, that's what happened to happen when it happens. Um, And then, like, again, Merrick... You've got a bunch of unresolved stuff, like you've given oh, me yeah. two threads to pull, right like you have we have like the the family drama, but then we also have the Asin drama, and you know i get to I get to choose which one i I pull at at various times
2: yeah, at this point, I'm still probably more scared of my mother than I am of Asin. uh so we we do have a trio of questions about thimble, okay,
3: so I'm going <laughs> give a trio you with, with all of them um, yes. so. Firstly, Adam asks, "Will Thimble change her mind?" We'll see. We'll have to find out. That's fair. And then the our wonderful artist who did our cover art, Freya, asks, should "They should they want the backstory between Durin and Thimble and how they met." Which I don't know if you can provide, but they are uh,
0: interested in that. What I would like to say is, keep listening.
3: Okay. Uh, who edits the show and is that something they already knew how to do or did they have to learn it? And that answer is, of course, Dane.
0: I did it. Um, I have a background in film editing. I, Like I said, I used to do YouTube videos and short films and stuff like that. So uh, I literally use Adobe Premiere, the, the video editing software, to edit the audio. I just drag the, the audio into Premiere and cut it as if it was a film uh, or like a video file and just like cut out gaps and and rearrange things and then as i'm going i i find music that fits and and throws it in throw it in
3: uh boys are these your favorite character
0: you've ever played
3: and if no who was and why
2: hmm oh oof i don't know both
3: those questions were by
2: phil yes
1: that's a tough question
2: um i think Merrick is definitely one of the more complex characters I've played, obviously, because we're focusing so much on the storytelling. And it is a blast to play him because he's powerful and, you know, he makes decisions. And I think one of my, like the most fun I've had was probably Pappy in our last home game where I was just a silly drunk pirate. Pappy Blue Ribbon.
0: Pappy oh, Blue yeah. Ribbon.
2: Yeah. Um. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't. Know. I think Merrick is my favorite, probably overall that I've played. But I think I've played a couple others that I could consider to be more fun.
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, it's hard to answer because I've GM'd so many different games and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to like pick like a favorite character NPC. Um, I'm gonna take the uh, I'm gonna take the easy way out. I love them all equally.
3: That's fair. Cody is definitely one of my favorite because I just feel so invested in him and the story and because again i can kind of eat my cake and have it i get to live out my my dreams of being badass but also being a lovable idiot um but i think one of my favorite characters was and i think i only played them like once or twice and it was for a thing you were dming terry uh do you remember my halfling gun tank Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, I was actually really, I'm very sad that I never got to do much more with him. So maybe one day I will resurrect to buy a small burrow. But uh, <laughs> he, honestly, that was so much fun. Dane, I know you're not playing a character, but.
0: Yes, um, one of your favorites. I I think I'm tied for, for two. I, I'm, I'm really, really invested in Alistair, mm-hmm. uh, who was a character I played for Return of the Rune Lords, one of our home games. Uh, but in terms of the show, if I have to pick a character that I like playing in the show, um, honestly, I think playing Vale, like I think we, we talked about this again briefly on Hot Ones, um, but playing Veil vale is a lot of fun because they're sort of the the Greek chorus situation <laughs> where they they can see everything from like a a third perspective. And they, they like, when you first meet them, they're doing a very, they're on a very specific mission, doing a very specific thing. And then you guys come in and fuck that up so spectacularly. And, but then you rescue them. So like, there's this, this sort of like turn of being like, what the fuck is happening? And why are you here? And what are you doing? And like, why are you successful, but also doing such a bad job at it?
2: (laughs) Um,
0: it's, it's a lot of fun to be like, have a character that can call you out um, on your stupid bullshit in a fun narrative way. Uh, Dan, the GM
3: asks, who is getting the ugly rat baby tattoo? Terry. It's be yeah, Terry. probably.
1: Yeah, I'll probably get that. We'll
3: make it a stretch goal on our Patreon.
1: Yeah, yeah, sounds, yeah. Good. sounds good. <laughs> I'll get I'll get it, I'll get it on the my, on my lower back. Ooh,
0: there we go. Ooh, a little little ugly rat baby tramp stamp. Yeah, I, I I'm down. Is is it going to be the words ugly rat baby, or is it going to be a naked no, rat holding a churro on. with his dick out?
1: Oh, it's going to be a naked rat. We all know the answer to that. All right. <laughs> you didn't have to ask. It's it's definitely going to be an artistically very nice artistic. It's, you know, of a, of a naked rat with a churro, right?
3: Um, what is the most annoying combat we've had?
1: Hmm, Personally? I feel like it was uh, the last one. The last one was very frustrating. (laughs) Yup. That last one was very, very much just, I was not on my A game. You rolled just an astounding
3: number of ones and I rolled nothing over a five for like half the fight.
1: It was real bad. I mean, it told the story in a really well, in a really good way, but it Mm -hmm. was like very frustrating on my end.
3: Yeah. And that's the funny thing is like. Like Dame was talking about how it was, you know, there was a certain level of we knew we were gonna end up in the like flash forward or whatever to a to a vague degree, but it's like that combat was not going that way for any reason other than the fact that we couldn't fucking roll well. Yeah, that
1: yeah. was that was that was the thing. It wasn't any weird mechanics or anything, it was just like the dice were making a statement.
3: Yeah. I feel like the dice have been really weird in terms of there there have been some fights where I'm hitting and other fights where I'm just like, just can't. And I'm like, what what is
0: it? Yeah, you know I mean, it doesn't feel like it makes sense in terms of like probability. It's that beautiful, beautiful dice gods looking down on us and smiling, or down on me mostly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. So far, every time you fought uh, a former fur clan member, you've you've beefed your rolls.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's <laughs> when you
0: when you're attacked in the apartment, you did the same thing. You like froze and rolled a bunch of ones and. There must um, be, like, a way
3: you roll dice when you're, like, excited that fucks it up for you.
1: <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, um, though, I think that may on. may change. Durin had a revelation that during that last fight that has decreased his respect towards that Rat Clan in a lot of ways. Or the Fur Clan in a lot of ways. So, maybe it'll change. We'll see. Cool.
3: That's for the dice to say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Who Who the fuck am I going <laughs> to Oh, wait, I have one more question. Um, hey, we have one important one to end with. Yeah, Justice Girl 17, will you be going to Comic-Con in Toronto in March?
3: Yes, we have a booth. We might even be doing a live episode. So we'll see. But so far, we do have a booth. We don't have confirmed times and everything else TBD.
0: Yes, we will be there. Uh, as soon as we know what's happening, we're waiting to get back to... Uh, the, the programming people are are dealing with stuff. They're like doing Vancouver Comic Con and stuff. So once, uh, once they're back in the offices and, and sorting things out, we'll have a better idea of, of what our schedule is going to look like. But we will be there. Um, how many of us, we're not sure yet. But at least two of us will be there uh, for you all to, to come say hello to.
3: So if you're in Toronto in March and you want to come visit us, we would absolutely love
0: that. 100%. Um, and I think, friends, that's gonna do it. Um, I'm glad we got a chance to to catch our breath to uh, take the f- the the foot off the pedal for a little bit. Um, we will be back on our regular schedule as of uh, in two weeks time. We'll be back doing the show, uh, telling the story, picking up where we left off. and uh, it has been a blast to to do this show with you guys and to do the show for you guys. Um, Thank you very much for listening. We will see you in two weeks.